when there's when there's no value structure when there's no value hierarchy in your mind well for most people it's like the weather take a breath and it'll change the mind is a fluid place things float in and float out And the things that are most likely to float in are the things that have been floating in. Which would be the things that we're in the habit of having float into the mind. And sometimes there's something there and sometimes they're not. So one of the things that we're kind of looking at here is that you're looking for something in the sense of a long-term project. But originally we were talking about just this very moment, just this very thought. That's the only one that we can deal with. And yet here you are asking what if questions. Yeah. I just wonder what what why why we do what we do then if we if we wouldn't have any uh like value differentiation because you still feel bad you still feel doubtful you still feel confused you still want to know stuff so let's deal with the reality of the situation when you're finished with that stuff then you'll know what to do and you'll do it free of doubt free of worry And you'll enjoy it. But so yeah, long as we I... ask questions about the future, we're missing out on this present moment. Yeah, that's that's why I find it so difficult to differentiate between wholesome and unwholesome thoughts. I know. Yeah. So that that will be, in fact, a long-term endeavor for you to start to investigate. And from time to time, with my help, to look into stuff to see what is in fact wholesome and what's unwholesome. What is in fact unsatisfying, unsatisfactory, and what is satisfying and satisfactory is if you didn't know. <laughs> because you already know what's satisfying. You've been satisfied many times in your life. But you spent many more thousands of times being dissatisfied to the point that you've be made a habit out of being dissatisfied. But once you start practicing being in a state of satisfaction, you'll get to the point of saying, hey, when I see this done satisfaction stuff, I want to get rid of it so that I can come back to that state of satisfaction again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But for example, then in, in, in my last meditation retreat, I was feeling like you could say overly satisfied with, with feelings of mania even. And then that, which, which in the end, of course, led into a huge dissatisfaction. Well, uh, you probably heard it stated one way or the other, but I've heard it, what goes up must come down.
So satisfaction not in a I don't know high energy and high energy sense or activation sense maybe, but more in a in a peaceful sense. But yeah. Well, one way that you can think of it is is that you were able somehow or another to talk yourself into a state of euphoria. And once you got into that state of euphoria, you forgot to keep telling yourself how to get into it. It's almost like a bird that flaps his wings to get in the air. And once he's flying, he forgets to flap his wings. Even in a nosedive, he still forgets to flap his wings. The very thing that got him in the air, he's not doing anymore. (laughs) Yeah, the higher he flies, the more devastating the, the fall will be. Every crash land feels like a crash landing. Mm. Making your crash landing better than somebody else's, <laughs> what's that going to get you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got me there, yeah. So. What we need to do is develop a practice of getting ourselves into a really nice state. And then to develop the practice of remaining in that nice state. Now, those two things work together in the sense that every time that you figure out how to get yourself into a really nice state, now immediately the job is changed from getting you into a really nice state into maintaining that nice state Mm. and those and then you'll fall out of it never mind start again come back get back into it and see how long you can sustain it then you'll fall out of it again never mind start again get yourself back into it but generally what will happen with most students is is that they'll get themselves into it They'll really start relishing, think how wonderful they are and what nice state this really is, and they forget to keep sustaining it. Next thing you know, unwholesome thoughts come in and they crash land. So next time they sit down, now they want what they had, but they don't know how they got it. They talk themselves into it the first time, and now the second time they're not talking themselves into it, they're talking themselves about how bad they want it. Yeah, yeah that's totally. dukkha. Wanting something that you don't have is dukkha. That is such a profound point of wisdom. Anything that you want to have that you don't have is dukkha. But you can also say it this way, that anything that you don't want that you have then is pleasant. And at the same time, anything that you don't, that you do want, that you have immediately is also pleasurable. Right? For instance, you see the, uh, the, Uh, the bottle of water, you want a drink of water, you take a drink of water, and there you are. You get what you want within a second or two. But meditators sit on the floor for 20,000 hours wanting something they don't have. 
hoping that somehow or another that uh, the common machine will finally take pity on them, come waltzing in with Shakti Pot and spray joy all over their body. So when is this craving created? Is it created in this moment of, of uh, ecstasy when feelings appear? Oh, I might I might lose this again. Craving will happen uh, particularly any time based upon feelings. When feelings arise, the feeling of liking, then the feeling of I want it. If 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 I like it, then I want it. If I want it, I got to have it. If I ha if I want to have it and have to have it and I can't get it now, that's when the longing and the craving and the striving and all of that comes in. And that is a kind of hell. <clears throat> Or another way of saying it in the uh, more classical sense, that it's a woeful state. And in that regard, the one that we've just described is the woeful state of being a hungry ghost. The idea that a hungry ghost is a, a ghost that keeps, that's hungry and hungry and hungry, but they can't eat anything. That their mouth is either way too small for their, uh, for their hunger, or... Uh, that anything that they do take in just washes right out and they don't get any value out of it and just leaving with them being hungry. So that's craving, wanting something that you don't have and always being in a state of, of wanting and not having, that's dukkha. Well, guess what? Our society is based upon that. That's what they call the gross national product. It's gross, I know, these national products. Right, Look at but, all the striving and worrying, and I want this, and I don't steal that, and courts, and cops, and laws, and rules, and money, and banks, and oh, look how much everybody suffers. But then, what is the reason why we approach things if there would be no craving for those things? Because as little kids, we were taught to, and as little kids, we weren't smart enough to see what a farce civilization is. And so we bought it, hook, line, and sinker. And every rule that we heard, we memorized, and now in an adult state, we keep telling ourselves those same rules. Right. And, and let's just say like a we... little kid inside, we rebel against them. Mm -hmm. Just like we did as little kids. And let's say we are in a state now where there would be no craving for anything or no yeah, liking, then what would be the reason why we approach, why, why you approach the, the water bottle or, yeah. I don't understand your question. Right. Because we've so, already covered that, that if, if something that I want is immediately available, then there it is. Hmm. You're talking about craving water I don't have. But if I wanted to drink a water, recognize that there's no water around, perhaps the power is off, which means the pump in the uh, landlord's land uh, has no pump, and therefore there's no water. And I say, okay, I can just wait. I don't want any water right now. Right, so it's, so it's the reaction towards the absence of the things you want right now that matters, is it? Well, I didn't react. I just stopped wanting it. Yeah, yeah, that's like the non-reactance. Hmm.
So really the suffering is, is wanting things we don't have. What about wanting enlightenment for that matter, wanting to? That is the number one reason why there are no enlightened people around is because they all want it too hard. And when they, each one yeah. of them in, in a moment becomes really satisfied with how things are in that moment, that one is enlightened. But then he'll start wanting enlightenment in the next mind moment. And now he's no longer enlightened because he's wanting something. That's why the Zen masters will tell the, the Zen students, you're already enlightened because they are. All you have to do is just recognize that, hey, you've got everything you need. You're already light. No place to go and nothing to do, nothing to strive for. You've already got everything. And if we can't be happy and satisfied with the fact that everything is okay right now, then there's no hope at all. But if we can recognize everything really is okay right now, we can start having wholesome thoughts about how nice things are right now. Be nurturing to ourselves. You're okay. Everything is fine. Then we can get into a state of satisfaction. And there's no suffering. Because I don't want anything. And same goes with uh, wanting to identify wholesome thoughts, then, I suppose. Pardon? And the same goes for wanting to identify wholesome thoughts. I don't understand what you mean by identify uh, wholesome thoughts. To, to discern unwholesome from wholesome thoughts. What's your question? So, does the same what you just said about pursuing enlightenment yeah Go, goes for um, pursuing to differentiate between wholesome and unwholesome thoughts yes that was what we were talking about 20 minutes ago yeah. was yeah. that that's the, that's the process or the skill development is learning to look enough closely enough to see in this moment is this thought wholesome or not and if it's unwholesome, we'll throw it out. And if it's wholesome, we'll congratulate ourselves with another wholesome thought, begin to nourish ourselves. And there you are. Hmm. And if that unwholesome thought comes back and reoccurs, you can either get stuck in it, or when you recognize, when you wake up again, you can say, aha, I see you. And you throw that one out again. Yeah, yeah. But if you're not aware of what's going on, then those unwholesome thoughts will come and remain and worry and turn and circle. And we're not really looking at them. But that's what I'm struggling with, is that I feel we Why need struggle? to... Struggle? Struggle is dukkha. Why are <laughs> you struggling? You want something. Well, I, I don't understand it in, in that sense. Because I feel like I need we I feel like we need a certain value hierarchy in our minds to be able to tell that some thought is unwholesome. 
Yes. Okay. So I'll give you this guideline. There are um, almost always the thoughts about this present moment are wholesome. And almost always any thoughts about the past or the future are unwholesome. Any thoughts about things that you that are not here right now are unwholesome and things that are far away or distant are unwholesome. Okay, anything that you think about, because generally what you think about is what you want. And if what you want is distant, then you can't have it. And that's dukkha. But if you want something and it's right here, there it is. And that's sukkah. So, un- so wholesome thoughts are thinking about those things that are right here in the present moment, right here, right now, in the real world, in the real body, in the real feelings, in the real mind of this moment, and in the real thoughts of this moment. But thoughts that are not real, thoughts that are imaginary, thoughts that are uh, magical, are actually thoughts about the past. But the past is gone. It's not here. It'll never come back again. It's gone. It doesn't exist. It's not that it never existed. Well, at least it grant that it did exist, but we can't actually do, agree on what it was that did exist. You can take two people who just saw a movie and they're walking out of the movie arguing with each other over what, and they both saw the same thing. But now, the movie that they were in is in the past, and they're arguing about the past while they're walking down the street or out of the, out of the theater. And their present moment is a big argument. And so this is how we begin to look, that we're only looking at what's happening right here, right now. Yeah. It's very difficult to, to grasp since, since, like, all, nearly all, being is or how do i phrase it since all yeah thinking is is based on past or or future thoughts generally for those who are in the habit of thinking past thoughts and unwholesome thoughts So that's one of the ways for you to start looking at what is uh, wholesome and unwholesome is what's happening right now is wholesome. Uh, What's happening right here right now is wholesome. And what's happening right now on the other side of the world is unwholesome because you can't do anything about what's happening on the other side of the world. uh, Or across town or across the yard, or across the room. (laughs) Well, yeah. No, thank you. Thank you so much. Is that all? I believe so, yeah. I hope that having this awareness of of the nature of my thoughts concerning future or, or present or past thoughts could in the future prevent me from from 
building up great um, castles of imagination. Right. Of, yeah, grandiosity and ma magic, as you said. Well, um, though many people would disagree with me, one thing that could be said is you've already got enough, in fact, to practice correctly, at least on an intellectual level. Mm. But that there's, um, there's some other stuff that would, um, in, in fact, going over just this over and over again with me will help deepen it. And so I invite you to call back so that we can go into the actual practice of Anapanasati in a way that makes more sense to you. Because yep. right now in this introduction, I've been talking a whole lot of Buddha without using any Buddha words at all. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it would be a pleasure. All right. When are you going to call? Well, tomorrow, I suppose, if that's, if that's fine for you. Uh, how about a couple of days? Let's give it a couple of days. Okay, let's give it a rest, yeah. yeah. Okay. All right, well, we'll see you in a couple of days. Sounds good. Okay, thank you. <laughs>